Welcome back to Podcast 49 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKF. Follow us at The Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash The Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Betfred Sports. For 250 bucks worth of free bets, please visit Betfred and use the promo code ODDS23. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to support The Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theozbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any of our winning cappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please become a free picks telegram and newsletter subscriber. Also, please join our free Discord account to discuss NFL, college football, and any other sports spending you'd like throughout the year. My friends, we have a great show for you today because Tony George is coming back to discuss some Big 12 plays, some season win totals, possibly some futures, anything else that he wants to cover in college football. Very excited to close out the Power Five here with Tony George, and then we can move on to a little group of five right before the college football season starts. Before Tony comes on, I want to just announce that I will be at Circa on week zero promoting the Circa contests as well as all of the great things that Circa has to offer. We will be at Radio Row Thursday afternoon and Friday morning streaming live. If you haven't liked our YouTube channel, please do so. We're going to be interviewing some of the best sports bettors in the business, talking some contests and talking about how people can sign up from anywhere in the United States with footballcontest.com. So we have a huge weekend coming up. We're going to have some giveaways as well during that weekend. Come down to the Circa and meet up with me, meet up with Sean, Kanaki, any other odds breakers that shows up, as well as our wonderful guests. Love to give you a shirt, have a beer, talk about whatever you want to and get signed up for these awesome contests. If you'd like to support us, and get our premium plays. We have some great cappers here. Get a hundred bucks off every single package, including Sean Kanaki, myself, Kyle Hunter, Nick Hub, Rocco. Everybody's football package a hundred bucks off by using the promo code Football 2023. You can also get my membership just for the month of August for life at seventy-five bucks a month for life. All right. Without further ado, let's get into our wonderful guest. Tony George, that will be followed up with a little UFC. Now I'm very excited to bring back a man who's been capping longer than a coon's age. You've heard him on radio shows and sports podcasts all over the nation. I'm happy to welcome back Mr. Tony George from DocSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at TGeorgeSports. Tony, you had some vacations. I saw that. I was going to have you on yeah. earlier, but hey, man, I don't bug a man that's on vacation, but that's great. I love to hear about what you did. How's your summer going? Summer's going good. You know, I had some uh, health issues of, to open up the year and uh, really put me behind the eight ball for about three months. I'm just now kind of getting over it and uh, had to have some major surgery and 
and uh, really kind of bedridden there for about six, seven weeks and uh, uh, challenged my life, <laughs> yeah. actually. So I was uh, nip and tuck there for a while. And so uh, when I finally got healed up, I decided just to go down to Gulf Shores and, and Pensacola area down, down in Dixie and just kill a couple of weeks and have a good time and, and kind of just take it easy and baseball, you know, for many of us, not all of us, I know you're doing well. I'm not doing so well on baseball. So I stepped back a lot from volume this year and just decided to take some, some time off and, and kind of recharge the batteries and get things, uh, get my feet back on the ground, so to speak. So, uh, but also during all those times, gearing up and getting ready for and researching and studying what we're talking about today. And that's, well, college and pro football. And of course, uh, NFL uh, week one preseason kicks off. It's always uh, a fun time, not necessarily a huge betting opportunity time, but it's a fun time to get TV back uh, TV back on the football channels and uh, uh, raring to go for 2023-24 uh, season. It's going to be a really good one, I think. I think so too. I in thank God your procedures went okay. We I think we talked right around that when that happened. Um, but man, yeah. it, it's got to be scary, and you lose all that time for researching baseball makes it harder. And yeah. I like what you said there about cutting volume because I think that's one of my best ways of getting back. You know, and you can never tell. When you're hot, but here's the thing, you know, you're not hot on the sport. You cut the volume. You still get those days of wins, um, and, it, and any loss you're taking isn't extraordinary, and you're usually using your best plays when you're giving that out. And now, You know, more like your yeah. five stars are going to be the ones more prominent, and you're not taking that one you thought that was a two-star or three-star that could lose, right. and sometimes that's right. just the best way to do it, and I've literally built my bankroll back by by doing less volume. As a matter of fact, my baseball year has been uh, very low volume because I had a bad last year. I I I, I, I yeah. was able to get some back, but I I gave a ton of my basketball winnings away in April, May, June, and then I got a little back at the end. But I'm like, you know what? Baseball is tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna do one to three plays. Some once in a while you'll see a four, but mostly it's one. Um, and it's been great for me this year. So I love what you said there. I'm doing the same in a couple other smaller things that I need to focus on and get a little bit better at, but I love that strategy, but Hey man, you're here now. Thank goodness. You're in good health. Uh, that's the most important thing, my man. And you're back for your best sport, which is football. So I'm really happy about that. And now of course you have, uh, been, transitioned into the big 10 a little bit with nebraska obviously your your, uh alma mater your home team your favorite college football team and before we get into the big 12 or any other thoughts uh, here we are you got a new coach we used me and you ragged on scott frost for the last three four years on this show tony uh how you feeling about the huskers with the new coach well First of all, it pisses me off that you've got bragging rights being a Wisconsin Badger. I got to hear about that crap all the time. Every time we play them, guess what? Kev gives me a text. Just let me know what the final score was. You know, uh, how many touchdowns the running back had. Every every time we play Wisconsin, we they set a school record against us for something. So, you know, I'm kind of getting sick of that. Crap, when Mel- when but- Melvin Gordon have 426 yards in three quarters, I think. 
Uh, yeah, something like. Then you had a fresh. You had a freshman that year, run a couple of years ago, or last year, or whatever. Oh my God! It, it, Nebraska's <laughs> just been. You know, it's been a dumpster fire since they fired Frank Solich after a ten win, eleven win season. He goes to an Orange Bowl or a Rose Bowl and plays in the national title game with Eric Crouch, and they fire him. Uh, after that, no one was going to beat Miami that year, and uh, since then, it's just been. You know, one of the biggest collapses in the history of college football because Nebraska, you know, was dominant and they're still, you know, they've been sell they've sold out every home game since 1962, which is mm -hmm. about the only record they hold nowadays. But, you know, Scott Frost was an absolute debacle and and um, the biggest problem Nebraska has is player development. They just they've recruited good players. They've got decent players in the transfer portal over the year and they just continue to turn the ball over make stupid mistakes and and bad coaching I mean Taylor Martinez was having a great year at Kansas State last year after he left Nebraska just because Chris Klein's a better coach than what Scott Frost was and of course he got hurt and you know Howard stepped in they had a, they they've got we'll talk about them later but uh, they already had a deep uh, uh, quarterback stable but I think the one thing about Nebraska this year, and I just did a free pick video over on, you know, Doc Sports. We got a YouTube channel. A bunch of us put daily free plays and futures picks up there. And I just did one on Nebraska and posted it about an hour ago. And uh, I'm going under the six and a half wins. Um, and I'll tell you why. If, first of all, Matt Rule, they paid him a crap ton of money. Uh, it was an extensive search. I think he's a good coach. He He's a good college coach. He turned around Temple. And remember, he turned around Baylor when Art Bryles just left that a smoldering cauldron of doom and despair. It was one of the most I mean, amazing uh, turnarounds I've seen in, yeah. in the program, actually. But, but bear in mind, and I said this to all my Husker fans, and I'm an alumni, um, lived there 35 years. The first two years... The first year at Temple and Baylor combined for Matt Rule, the win-loss record was 3-23 and in year one. It takes a long time to build a program, especially in the Big Ten. It's not like we're in a Mountain West or the AAC or, you know, the Sun Belt. This is a Big Ten. You know, now you've got USC and UCLA in there. you got more coming in. You've got, you know, powerhouse programs like, you know, Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan and, you know, Michigan State's coming on. Iowa's always tough. Illinois is on the rise there, you know, as well with Bulimia, your ex, uh, Bulimia, your ex uh, Wisconsin coach who did a hell of a job with Illinois last year. I mean, like him or don't like him, um, he did a hell of a job, but Nebraska's, if they were to get somehow get to six wins and a bowl game, somehow, if they were to do that, that would be the biggest step forward in that program in the last 20 years. Yeah. Literally in the last 20 years. So I think that people need to manage expectations. They're going to open up against Minnesota on the road. And then the following game, they got to go to Colorado and do the Neon Dion primetime game there where they're laying I thought futures line on that at minus nine I don't know anybody in my business including you that the second game of the season under a new head coach where they don't have on the first team and the second team 
preseason all-conference team, Nebraska doesn't have one single player on that roster in the first or second all-conference teams. They are talent depleted, and they're gonna you're gonna lay nine with them on the road in Boulder. I mean, I think it's you need to uh, the, the Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech to open up their only two games at home that aren't conference games. They might be able to get through those. Um, maybe they split one and one or go zero and two out of the gate. But I just don't see them. You know, we got a new quarterback, Jeff Sims, out of Georgia Tech. Um, we've got an entirely decimated defensive line. We've got an offensive line returning that was ranked 108th last year in college football out of 130-some programs. There's just a lot of things. Uh, one thing I will tell you, they'll be more physical and they're going to be a lot more disciplined yeah. than they were under Scott Frost. And that will get them over the hump you know, in, in some games, in terms of competing, Kev, in terms of competing and just not laying down, being a doormat and a whipping boy. Well, I got to tell you, I'm a little more lukewarm on Nebraska than you are. Um, I just think that the Big Ten West is wide open in a way. There's a lot of hype for Wisconsin, and this Phil Longo offense is a massive change from what Wisconsin yeah. has ever done. I mean, they, their spring game, they look terrible. I mean, they could be the biggest disappointment and then leave the door open for someone else. I don't like Purdue in their transition. I no. don't, I, I, I think Minnesota's always there, but they lost a ton of talent, including a quarterback. And then Illinois lost everybody in the NFL. You know, I expect yeah. some regression there. They had a great fumble luck over there. You got Iowa's Iowa, and they got Cade McNamara. So I guess they're kind of the favorites with Wisconsin. But it wouldn't shock me yeah. to see something out of Matt Rule. And I will say that Sims uh, is a better quarterback than what they've had. And he was the only yeah. reason Georgia Tech got to five wins last year with Sims. So yeah. you got something working for you there. I think there's a, a little bit of hope for the big 10, but you know, switching to what's going on in this landscape and we don't need to spend too much time on this, but man, that we just saw over the last week, the PAC 12 get picked off more than Jameis Winston in 2019. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 I've never seen a conference just absolutely combust in this way in my entire life. Now, I mean, yeah. there's no, there's no PAC four, I, I mean, this ha no. this has got to end after this year. What are your thoughts about the new landscape we're about to see, and what the hell happened? Well, I did a, a podcast yesterday with a with a guy. We were talking about kind of the implosion of the big uh, of the uh, Pac twelve, and just basically the landscape of college football in general. And I I really I don't know how it's going to shake out. You know, I think it's all about it's all about money and greed. Um, I don't think that's good for college football. Um, I don't know. I don't know about TV ratings. I don't know about an expanded playoff system with these big super conferences now. Um, I, I, you know, these players are getting nil contracts, I and mean, this is just a all that's become is just a paid farm club for the NFL anymore. And it's kind of taken the innocence out of college athletics in a certain degree, stuff that you and I grew up with. You know, the guy I was talking to yesterday, he was like 28 years old. You and I got gray hair. We've been around a while. We're used to uh, traditions, you know, yeah. uh, rivalries, you know, um, Oregon, Oregon State, one of the best rivalries in the country. 
I mean, the Apple that's the Cup. Civil War. That's 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 yeah. that's it. I mean, you, uh, I think USC and UCLA will still get it on, but you know, like the Nebraska Oklahoma games of the past, the day after Thanksgiving, they're gone. Now it's Iowa. I can't get behind that. You know, uh, Bedlam that's gone. Yeah, Oklahoma to the SEC. You know uh, that sort of thing. So Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. That we're not going to see that. You know. Even in basketball, you know, Kansas and Missouri was always a humongous rivalry, you know, in the Big 12 back in the day, just all these things. And I don't know how it's going to shake out. And I don't know, you know, how they're going to uh, – apparently the, the the TV revenue is enough to give all these conferences, you know, all kinds of this money that people will leave for it. But, you know, I don't know how it's going to shake out. I understand why a lot of these teams – out west left i mean they don't get a lot of tv exposure on the east coast or in the even in the midwest no one watches the mountain west and the pac-12 a whole lot not like the acc sec and big 10 and big 12 they don't have that kind of draw so it was for me and you as handicappers being able to do the whack or uh, the mountain west or the pac-12 Without that mu as much focus on it as you know, Florida playing Florida or Florida playing Georgia or any of these others, you know, you could really hone in and maybe find some edges on those point spreads with those less than focused games. Oh so, yeah, Oregon was good, and Washington was kind of good there for a while, but at the end of the day, you know, I watch those more than most people because that's what we do for a living. You know, through sheer attrition, you had to do it. So I'm going to miss finding those advantages. But I think the, the Conference of Champions, as Bill Walton likes to uh, term it, is long gone and over. And I, who's ever left standing is going to be in the Mountain West or somewhere else. Because geographically, it doesn't even make sense. These kids are flying from, UC, from L.A. to New Jersey to go play Rutgers or Maryland or I mean, you know, these are still 18, 19-year-old kids and student-athletes. And I, I'm i not so sure they're trying to professionalize the game and get professional-style money involved with all these athletic departments, how that's going to be good for the game down the road. So we'll just see. I don't understand why the Pac-12 and the Big 12 kind of didn't see a little bit more of this coming. Now the Big 12 didn't get picked off more. I mean, who would be any of interest to the Big Ten besides Oklahoma and Texas? Besides, that makes more sense than the SEC. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, is like, why? If if I could redo it, I think the smarter thing that Pac-12 could have done before they just lost Oregon and Washington is more some sort of merger with the Big. 12 pack 12 merger yeah. i mean you're gonna have the most teams but so what it looks like they're they don't care about number of teams well just having that many teams makes you look like a powerhouse and you yeah, got to, you get to keep your organs you got to keep your washington's that way your arizona's arizona states which is a massive market obviously the size yeah. of the, uh phoenix is uh roughly fourth or fifth biggest in the country uh, yeah, you know, you're going to keep ma massive markets that way. I think that would have been smarter for them, but now there is no more Pac-12 and the Big 12. I'm sorry, it's just going to be looked at as uh, an under 
appreciated conference. It's it, not so much like a conference yeah. USA, but they're going to say, oh, they're not in the Big Ten. Oh, they're not in the SEC. Wait till you hear all that for the next five years. Uh, it's like, yeah. oh, why is the Big 12 have two teams in the 12-team playoff, right? You, you might hear some of that, and it's just because of you know the media and the pundits that get paid to, to smear people, but the truth is, is I'm an old school guy, and I think that it, I, I like the way it was. I just think the only problem was only having four teams in the playoffs anyway, and now it's just all about money and these schools kind of separate. It, it shows you how weak the NCAA really was. It was. All this stuff was run by conferences and their own rules in the first place, Tony, but... Um, well, they're trying to compete with the SEC. I mean, they're they dominate college football, and they want to get a conference where they can contend. I think they've got one this year in the Big Ten in terms of top heavy. You know, you're talking about the Final Four. You want to be to comment on the Final Four. I think you're going to end up seeing Michigan and Ohio State both in it. Yeah, and I'm probably going to see Georgia, and you might see either Clemson or Florida State. I, I'd lean Florida State there. I think they're going to have a phenomenal phenomenal year this year i think they're going to come out of the gate i think they can get clemson i'm not sold on clemson this year and, and by the way i didn't mention a big 12 team yeah you yeah, know yeah yeah you know, I, I mean i i don't i don't see they're gonna the the big 12's top heavy with three teams the big 10's top heavy with maybe three two for sure um, like you said, half half of the Big Ten's wide open. It's anybody's ball game. I got seven. You know? seven teams can I think make it: Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, LSU, Florida State, Clemson, and I guess throw in Texas. I maybe eight teams, but Texas yeah. Texas's talent just has to put them there. And if they go to Alabama and win that game, they can afford a loss and get into the uh, champ and, and get into the uh, yeah. four playoffs because this is the last year of four playoffs. I guess if I was going to pick. I would go uh, uh, Michigan, uh, Ohio State, LSU, and if you can throw away, throw in any of them. I'll go Clemson, Michigan, Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson. I'll just say the SEC yeah. beats each other up because they lost their quarterbacks. You can just you can come up with anything, but I still have Georgia my number one power ranked team, yeah. and I really have Alabama number two until they prove me differently. I have to go by yeah. past success. So, so there you go. I mean, we're just kind of shooting darts at this point. But um, yeah. what we do want to talk about here and focus on is the Big 12, and we'll start with Texas. Uh, they're my highest power-rated team. I have them number six in the nation right now, personally. Um, uh, they return a decent amount of production. They were 1.44 yep. net yards per play. Is this the team to beat to win the Big 12, Tony? Well, I'm looking at one of these preseason publications, and I found one I really like that does a really good job of ranking um, teams, you know, like a Phil Steele. By the way, I, speaking of Phil Steele, I'm going to throw this out there real quick. Phil Steele predicted and said not only does Wisconsin win that division, the Big Big Ten, he thinks they win the Big Ten, <laughs> which I kind of I kind of lost some footing on Phil Steele after that, but I'm using this uh, – this pick six previews, which is a really good preview. And if you look at the unit rankings in the Big 12 in terms of the quarterback unit, the running back unit, and I agree with all these, number two for the quarterback unit with Ewers in there, and I'll tell you why that is in a second. Running back number five, they lost their stud, but every other unit, wide receiver, one, tight end, one, offensive line, one, defensive line, one, defensive backs, one. These are rankings per unit and number two in linebacker. And the only reason that Quentin Ewers isn't the number one uh, quarterback in, in the 
in the Big 12 is because that Jalen Daniels for Kansas is going to be the best quarterback in the Big 12 this year. Mark my words on that. And uh, he is ranks in the top five in almost every category that counts nationally coming into this year, and they're going to have a good team. Leopold's going to have another competitive team there. But, oh, I hope so. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't see the Brent Venables experience experiment at Oklahoma last year failed miserably. Uh, you saw the difference in talent that uh, Texas had against Oklahoma in that Red River War game last year. So uh, that being said, I don't think anybody in this – I think you look Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, TCU, and Texas Tech are the teams that are going to matter in this conference. The rest of them is all a toss-up. And as a matter of fact, as far as I'm concerned, Kev, Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas State's, neither one of those teams is a touchdown favorite over the other. I mean, Texas is not going to be a favorite a touchdown over Oklahoma or Kansas State. And I tell you what, you better keep your eye on Kansas State because this Chris Klein is no freaking joke. This guy can coach football. They got a crap ton of players coming back, including their quarterback. Um, they are, and they did very well in recruiting. They did very well in the transfer portal. Um, they've got, he's the second coming of Bill Snyder. I mean, he really is. I think so too. He, I, and here's the thing. Obviously we'll get to Kansas state. We're on Texas, but Texas I feel like kind of what you said about there are a bunch of teams, you know, a handful of teams. I think there's a lot of teams that can win the Big 12. It's like, I don't think there's a lot of teams that can win the SEC. I think it's Alabama, Georgia, and LSU, personally. I don't think there's a lot of teams that win the ACC. It's Florida State and Clemson. I don't think there's a lot of teams that win the Big Ten. Sorry, Phil Steele. It's quit trying to get me excited, but no, it's Michigan and Ohio State. <laughs> You know, I mean, oh, I thought you probably had. I probably thought you probably made a banner out of that statement. You knew about oh, it. Oh, I, I, I wish I was more of a homer, man. I'm garage. not. I'm a pessimist, Badger fan. Glass is half empty, my friend. Glass yeah. is half empty. I've seen enough. But what I will say is that the Big Twelve is up for grabs, and and I've heard this crap about Texas for years now and they still don't put together Quinn Ewers is backed up by a couple quarterbacks Archie Manning is one of them and he's too young yeah. right now uh yeah. their other guy I'm I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head he has a shot um but in my opinion you know Texas has the talent but they never can completely put it together and I've seen too many chokes from Ewers so wink 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 I'm gonna have a couple future bets that I think could at least play Texas in the championship game, Tony, that you can hedge out of, okay? So you kind of hinted on one of them already. But my number is nine for wins. Nine and a half is the win total for Texas. So even yeah. though they're my highest power-rated team, I have to power-rate them based upon their recruiting talent, ranking 6.33 in the last three years. Uh, the good returning production, uh, 19th in the nation. But I, I, it's still Texas. So let's move on to Oklahoma because you well, just mentioned. The, well, I, well, I just wanted to mention one thing too. You, you, I think you failed to mention Texas's biggest liability, Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, he, he, I want he can't win the big one. He's like Mac Brown. Can't win the way the way like Mac Brown. I'll give him one thing. He won a national title, but he won it with Vince Young. And and if Vince Young was playing for Tulane that year, they would have won the national title. He was one of the best college football quarterbacks since Tommy Frazier. 
I mean, he, the guy was just unbelievable. It couldn't stop him. One of the best, probably the best national title game I ever saw of that USC Texas that Texas game. But Sarkeesian last year also, you know, Ewers got hurt in that Alabama game. He came back later in his season. But he one thing about it that gives me pause in terms of. I, I want to be higher on Texas. He really limited his playbook last year with a young quarterback, and they had the running game where they could just do a lot of play-action passing and short dinks and dunks. I think he opens up the playbook a little bit more this year in terms of the vertical game, and it's going to be interesting to see because if that pans out and you were think, if we think everybody as good as he thinks he is, um, they could potentially be a high-octane attack that's very difficult to stop. Well, you know, they would give up he didn't know how to handle fourth quarters and he, they would yeah. get just beat down on those fourth quarters at some point in the big games. He might be learning a little bit, but you're right. He is their best offensive guy and their best liability when it comes to getting those W's needed to get into the championship. So that's why I always hesitate when I say Texas, but you know, look at what you said about Brent Venables in Oklahoma. I was not impressed last year. Mm -hmm. um, I have Oklahoma up my 17th best team, to be honest. I'm not that high on them. I'm, yeah. co I'm covering them because they're Oklahoma, but literally their returning production ranks 77th. Uh, their transfer portal did well at 8th. Their net yards, yeah. per, net yards per play only 0.49 in the positive with Oklahoma. Their strength of schedule is 41st this year. Their win total is 9.5. I have them at 8.75 wins if they have a good season. Um, right. I mean, I see losses here potentially, obviously, versus Texas and the Red River rivalry again. At Kansas is going to be tricky. At Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State would nice would like to give them a farewell, goodbye type uh, game on November fourth this year, my friend. Yeah, I don't uh, think they. I don't think they can. Well, they'll try. Um, they'll try, but they lost more than anybody in the conference. They lost. A quarterback that's in a battle down at Ole Miss right now, but in but uh, I'm telling you right now, uh, well, you know who Matt Humans is out here at Veasan in Las Vegas. You do some stuff with Veasan. Uh, this is one of his biggest picks is under the win total with Okie State, and and uh, if you do some matrix and take a look at them, they lost more in the transfer portal last year than almost any other team in the country, and so Gundy's going to have his hands full right now you know, getting that program back. Now, maybe by November, when is that? Let me look at that game. That's November 4th. Maybe by November, they got their they got their act together and give Oklahoma, you know, a, a ball game. But because that is in Stillwater, which is worth three or four points. But um, right now, I'm not real high on Oklahoma State. But, you know, I, then again, I'm not overly high on Oklahoma. I think Kansas State might have a better team. Um, you know, and then your West Virginia is the worst team in the league. Uh, they play them the following week and then at BYU, and then they end with the loss probably to TCU. So I don't know about Oklahoma this year. You're thinking, what, eight wins? Oklahoma, eight or nine wins. I do like the fact that they uh, don't get Kansas State, so that helps them on their schedule. They get the newcomers at BYU, and they get UCF, so yeah. that, that's helpful. Yeah. What sucks is their schedule's easy. They got three easy non-conference, Arkansas State, SMU, and Tulsa. So, yeah. so, so they have a path, but I just don't trust the offense uh, here. I know Venables is a defensive guy, but in my opinion, I didn't see anything out of Dylan Gabriel last year that made me think he's a big-time quarterback. 
you know, he yeah. came from UCF, you know, and I just didn't think that, you know, I, th- I thought UCF took a little bit of a step back when uh, their guy went out, obviously on that gruesome injury. I, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but. Uh, oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I can't it, think of his name either. Yeah, but he was he was like on the way to the NFL before that thing happened. So I was very uh, upset about that. I'll, I'll, I'll think of his name in a minute. But um, I'm just not that impressed with their offense, and they also lost a lot of production. So, you know, you say Oklahoma State um, lost a lot of production. So here's the thing. I am against everybody on this because I think Oklahoma State, even though they lost 18 guys for transfers out, including their quarterback, Spencer Sanders, they still got, oh. they got 14 guys in. They're not ranked high in the net rankings for that. But at the same time, this is kind of when Gundy shows his best work is when they're undervalued. And this schedule for Oklahoma State is extremely easy. You know, Oklahoma State doesn't face Texas this year. They don't face, uh, they get Kansas State at home and Kansas at home, which are uh, a very much improved Kansas. They get the mm-hmm. they get Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF and BYU. They get all four newcomers, meaning they're avoiding some teams. They're at Iowa State, but but uh, Campbell doesn't really scare me anymore. <laughs> West Virginia, that's a possible win right there. Cincinnati lost everybody this year. Their schedule is just so easy, you know. Yeah, and they're that's and that's the yeah, way they can sneak the in. Okay, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I could see that. I could see the argument, but until I see, uh, I mean, I, you lose a quarterback like that, and you lose a bunch of your deep. You know, one thing Mike Gundy's done over the past three or four years, especially, is he's improved his defense. You know, he was he he had the Mac Brown school of thought. We'll just outscore everybody, mm-hmm. but that that. That plays a role of attrition on your team, on your offensive players, when you lack a lot of depth, is we'll just beat people 41 to 38 every game. So, you know, he finally got his defense, you know, going. And they lost a lot on their defensive side of the ball last year as well. And then losing a four-year starter at quarterback that is an absolute stud um, is, I tell you what, that's going to leave a mark. It was weird. That that was weird. Spencer Sanders leaving was really weird. Because he's taking a backup role now, right? I mean, I don't understand right. that thought. Like, what do you think you're going to all of a sudden, you know, uh, be the guy, you know, coming in? Um, I, I, I just, I just feel really weird why he left, you know, and it, it shows that there is some definitely friction between Gundy and him because he went to Ole Miss, you know, and Ole Miss has Jackson Dart there. So it's like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna are you sure you're gonna beat Jackson Dart out? I don't think so. You know, so that was I thought that was just very strange. You know, now uh Bowman comes in, Alan Bowman, which did good one year for Texas Tech, and then he did terrible at Michigan. But he was yep. but then again, he wasn't, you know, I, I mean, I guess that's okay if it's Michigan, but uh, he, maybe if he gets resurrected here or something, then this team could be a little bit uh, deadly. I don't know. But here's the. But, well, the, but what I'm saying the, too, it, it, they avoid TCU, who won it last year. They avoid Texas, so they avoid the two best yeah. teams. I think with Kansas State, of course, there they at least get them at home. Avoid the top two teams and Kansas State's at home. Uh, I kind of like that, and Oklahoma's at home. So schedule wise, if they can just be in the mix, they can be nine or ten wins. So I'm going to disagree with Matt Humans. 
Um, I hate disagreeing with yeah. them, but in this case, I think they go over, and I think they're contending for the title. I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell Matt that I'm golfing with him in the Veasan tournament on Sunday out of Prem Valley. So I'm going to be sure and tell him that you want to side bet on that, since you're so confident in Oki State. Because here's what you're betting. Uh, remember, their defensive coordinator retired last year, and he needed to. Their rushing defense ranked 101st yards per carry, 107th uh, explosive rush which is, you know, plays of over eight yards. They ranked 117th. Their passing defense is ranked 106th. And they brought in a guy from uh, uh, Divi a Division II school, kind of an off-the-radar assistant. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see Mike Yurick uh, from Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, see what he can do there. But I'm telling you right now, I I'm this is a quarterback-driven league, and I don't think they've got one. Kevin, I think it's going to make a difference. I mean, I'm in terms of those tight games, Kansas, Kansas State, if they don't have it together, they can lose both of those. Well, Spencer Sanders wasn't exactly good last year either. So, I, I mean, they're in like the 90s in pass EPA. And now I know they've been shedding yeah. a lot of guys, but, I mean, a guy that's like ranked in the 90s, and that's worse than Division two or not Division two, but like group of five schools. I mean, how bad of a downgrade is this? I, I don't know if it was Spencer Sanders, but here's the thing. I'm just going to say with this transfer stuff going on, they still brought 14 guys going in. I think the unknown is a lot better, and that's why – or a lot bigger. No, and and this, is, and this is also why I like to spread it out a little bit. I'm going to take Oklahoma State as a shot to win the Big 12 at 40-1. to 1, And you tell Matt Humans uh, he can give oh, me wow. a call. You can give me a call. I'm going to tell him during the show after you already said Oklahoma State was going to really give everybody a ball game. That then you went out after, and I'm going to tell him you weren't even drinking cocktails yet. And you said I, I'm going to I'm going to throw I'm going to throw a flyer on him at forty to one. Hell yeah, you tell they them. Might not let, they might not let you in the circa again, dude. Okay, well you know what. Um, <laughs> I'll be fine because I'll be there in a couple of weeks and I'm telling myself yeah. as soon as I'm there, I'm sure I'll, he'll, I'm sure he'll stop by I'll, the desk. I'll but, be there with you, my man. All right, buddy. No, you know, it's fun to have some disagreement and uh, I will disagree with that one and we'll move yeah. on to TCU because TCU was the championship, you know, champion team last year. Uh, geez, Max Duggan. Holy cow. Did he take that quarterback position away from Chandler Morris so quickly in that Colorado game? What a, that was the worst half of football I've seen on TCU. And then the whole rest of the year was just like, are you serious? Right. But now yeah. you have Chandler Morris come coming back and he's penciled in as the starter. Sonny Dykes did yep. amazing things transferring from SMU yep. and working his magic here. Now the Horn Frogs though, I hate to say it. They lost a ton of talent. What are your thoughts on the Horned Frogs this year? I believe their win total is probably around seven and a half now. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm going to go ahead and put uh, Texas Tech in fourth and TCU in fifth in my rankings in this conference. And I, I think Texas Tech is a solid over seven and a half win total. I really like Texas Tech. That's one of my top picks out of this conference over the win total and uh, just because and just for the reason that you stated I think Sonny Dykes is a good coach mm -hmm. um, I thought he coached a team of overachievers last year that won some miracle ball games Baylor one of them the Michigan game uh, they and the quarterback they had was phenomenal one of the best he he, he was a poor man's Brett Favre 
Didn't look real pretty doing it, but boy, he gutted it out. He willed that team to a win. He reminded me of Far for all those years up in Green Bay. And what what a phenomenal football player. Just a phenomenal. In my opinion, he should, I, I know that if it was any other year than last year, the kid probably won or won the Heisman. I mean, he was that good of a football player. So I guess my only comment on TCU is we're going to find out how good of a coach Sonny Dykes is this year. Mm-hmm. Because losing that kind of talent, not only quarterback, but at other uh, key spots, uh, in, in a, a top-heavy conference where they're in the conversation, we're going to find out how good they are. But uh, their defense is going to have to get a little better this year uh, because until we can see their offense do what they did last year, uh, you're going to play a little better defense. But I think Sonny Dykes is a better-than-average coach. We're going to find out just how good he is this year, buddy. Well, I mean, you with what Max Duggan did when those third and longs and he ran for 10 to 15 yards, getting oh. almost every single one of them throughout the year, oh. being dead to rights in the fourth quarter and them coming back and winning, yeah. uh, that's not sustainable. And no, uh, the good news is they get a couple Bama transfers, Trey Sanders at running back, JoJo Earl at wide receiver. It seems like yeah. a lot of Bama transfers this year. They, they, they Bama, yeah. Bama's really recycled some guys. Uh, the defense remains mainly intact, but they still weren't the the reason that this team did well. You know, it wasn't their defense; That's right. it was their offense. And so, I don't know what to think about that. But I had to give them a downgrade. And unfortunately, for the big talent, two guys at receiver, they lost both to the Chargers. Actually, yeah, uh, yeah. This was one of my biggest downgrades. Eight points in the power ratings, being this Max Duggan and their skill positions leaving. So uh, yeah. they, they only rank 118th in returning production. I have them at seven wins. So I definitely do not have them as one of the scary teams. But it is Sonny Dykes. I'm, you can probably bet some overs with them after the market adjusts to the clock not stopping on first down. But um, this is going to be interesting, too. I love what you said about Jalen Daniels for Kansas because I'm partnering – my 40 to one. And these are just like tiny half unit plays, Tony. But um, I I think Kansas and Kansas state maybe could be at the championship game versus the Texas right now. Kansas was my darling last year and they went over my win total early by the third game or something. They went over my win total. It was wonderful. It was like, imagine hitting your over two and a half by the third game. That's, that just tells you the market was completely wrong on them. But Jalen Daniels got hurt midseason, and this team had to outscore a lot of people. But I really believe that Kansas, with Jalen Daniels and the fact that the Big 12 is just all over the place, maybe they're one of the ones that make an argument. Now, they're not my best team by any means. I think I have them ranked around 36th in the nation. But what do I know, right? Uh, they yeah. ranked second in returning production. They They got rid of their defensive line but they return everybody else. That's either a good thing or a very bad thing because they were bad on defense. But now this is the coach that I'm betting on, Lance Leopold, who mm-hmm. I saw ter- win three championships in a row at UW-Whitewater out in Wisconsin, uh, about an hour from Madison. I seen him win uh, at Buffalo, taking them to the championship game when he resurrected that program. And you know Kansas, believe it or not, was 0.82 net positive yards per play last year. Returning all that production, if they can just fix their defense a little bit and still be a little bit of a highlight reel, I think they have a real chance. What I don't like about them is that they do have to play at Texas. They do have to yep. play Oklahoma this year. They play mm-hmm. Texas Tech at home and Kansas State at home. 
and they ended at Cincinnati, but I'm not afraid about Cincinnati this year. But I, this is another <laughs> team that I think if the Big 12 is a mess, you get them at 35 or 40 to 1. That's who you partner your Oklahoma State with. And um, throwing a little bit on Kansas State as well might not be a bad. But here's the thing. I'm just taking a spray shotgun approach at this because I see many scenarios in the Big 12. I wouldn't do this in the Big 10. I wouldn't do this in the SEC. I wouldn't do this in the ACC. Maybe a little bit in the Pac-12. But uh, Kansas right now, I like their quarterback. And uh, I love their coach. And that's what I love betting on, quarterbacks and coaches. Well, I think, uh, and I'm going to reserve this is not a team I'm willing to bet season win totals on or right now. I, this is an in-season play in terms of conference, but uh, I want to see them September 8th against Illinois. Yeah. Um, they have Illinois at home now. Illinois lost everybody. Uh, they lost – I think Illinois had five or six players that went in the draft. Uh, now, they're opening up with Missouri State, which is just, you know, some – it's a team down in Springfield, Missouri. It's, 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 a, it's a soap scrimmage. You know, but then they got Illinois, and then they're at Nevada. Then they got BYU at home. If they can get through that four and zero, then we're talking. Because bear in mind, defensively they weren't all that good last year. I remember that bowl game. Who they play? Arkansas it was like fifty five, fifty three, or some crazy, crazy game they played. But they're returning ten starters on a very productive offense with the best quarterback in the Big 12, and that that considers some merit. Oh, for sure. I mean, Daniels was fantastic. He's got to stay healthy, but the coach, the returning production, the yards per play, uh, we saw them suck on defense. Can they fix that? I don't know. But it was his first year, too, for Lance Leopold. Look at how we saw Chris Kleiman uh, advance in as the to Kansas yeah. State beats TCU in the championship game, and to be honest with you, TCU was the the or Kansas State was the tougher team. They would hit you in the mouth more, you know. And yeah. so let's move on to Kansas State because I have no problem sprinkling a little on them that five to one. Now here's the well, problem with Kansas State: you can't hedge out of that really if they're playing Texas in the finals, but you can at least have something going into that game. I think that's most probable that it's going to be Kansas State this year. Uh, in the Big 12 championship game. The recruiting's never been all that great, but that, you know, Kleiman came from the Dakotas, man, and from the FCS there. He he makes the best of what he gets. And so at this point, if you're not getting five star, four star guys, it's all a crapshoot, in my opinion, anyway. A two star guy might as well be better than a three star guy in many of these situations. They're, they're returning production ranks 76 in the nation. They did lose some guys to the pros, but they are a solid 0.58 net yards per play, and they return their quarterback, Will Howard. You know, returning Will Howard, I think, is the best thing that happened to him. So you got a great coach, and you got a good quarterback again. So that's just what I'm betting on. Uh, Non-flashy at all. They weren't a flashy team. They did the small things right, ranking ninth in turnover margin while playing very good defense. Uh, They do at least get eight starters back on offense. Uh, The defense is a little bit more of a rebuild, only returning five starters, but it's just how Chris Kleiman builds his defense and finds these guys that are just workhorses and massively undervalued to the recruiting rankings. So um, I like their schedule. It's not terrible. Um, They avoid uh, Oklahoma this year. They're at Texas, so that's a little tricky. But here's the thing. Your thought process anyway is they're playing Texas in the final game. They get Baylor at home. They get Iowa State at home. 
Uh, if Kansas is fizzled out by November 18th, they have to go to Kansas, but they get TCU at home too. So uh, this is another team that could be very dangerous. So uh, I, th- I like Kansas State again. It wouldn't shock me. You get them at five and a half, six to one right now to win. Yeah. Uh, um, I, like I said, the Big 12 is a crapshoot. Uh, I, I don't mind betting on the coach and the quarterback. I uh, between between te- in my power ratings between Texas uh, because I think there's a liability head coach there, and I I figure that in my power ratings, Oklahoma and Kansas State on a neutral field. I don't have I have b- both Texas and Oklahoma uh, favored uh, in a neutral site situation over Kansas State by no more than five and a half points. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think coaching has a lot to do with that. I think the best head coach out of those three is Kleinman out of, between Venables because he's still new as a head coach. He's a great coordinator, but he's going to he's gonna have to cut his teeth. Uh, Sarkeesian gets the games like that and loses them. Um, I like their schedule. I think they enter the bye week unbeaten. They open up uh, Southeast Missouri State, which is an FCS school. Uh, they're playing Troy. Uh, they play at Missouri, um, an old rival, you know, c- kind of an old Big 12 rival there, which would, which will be an interesting game. Then they open up a conference action against Central Florida. A lot of people have them kind of rated uh, higher, like middle of the pack in the conference. And they have a bye. Then they play at Oklahoma State at Texas Tech. They got TCU at home, which helps. Houston at home, which they're going to kill them. At Texas, could be a loss. Baylor down again this year. Uh, Kansas, and they're going to beat Iowa State at home. That Kansas game will loom large, as you said. They may have fizzled out. You know, they fizzled out last year for starting out five and zero. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is just—they were the most surprising team last year for sure. And I'm just wondering if they can keep it up, and I think they can. But um, for the sake of time, let's do Texas Tech real quick, and then yep. we, then we can kind of just say pick one of the other ones uh you know in west virginia (laughs) texas tech this was the other team that i kind of would have bet if i didn't bet uh kansas state um they're they're more like 12 to 1 to win i like their coach there and what they're doing um mcguire's good mcguire came from a high school but he knew all like the recruits and he's just well in tune to texas high school football which is getting them recruits over at Texas Tech, and that was a little shocking to me, seeing them do so good last year. Tyler Shuck is back, and they returned some great guys, too. They ranked 64th in returning production. Uh, transfer portal rankings is 59th. Now, they were net negative yards per play, but, man, getting eight wins was pretty huge last year, and they won some big games. You know, um, yeah. nice four and wins in a row after November 5th. They won four in a row after November 5th. Right. Yeah, and they didn't fizzle out like they usually do in the end, and and they had a huge. Win. Everybody forgets this. They had a huge win against Ole Miss in the bowl game. Right, huge win against Ole Miss, yeah. and everyone was betting Ole Miss, and they beat oh, Oklahoma. They, they beat Oklahoma in overtime on November twenty six. You know, yeah, fifty one forty eight. These last four wins weren't cakewalks. Kansas at Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Ole Miss. So. 
I'm I. This is one of them that I, if I could take anything, I can't bet on everybody. It's just negative. Probably you know I might even be on some negative EV right now. I just look at the conference as more opportunity. Two forty to ones and a five and a half to one is what I'm on, right? So, um, I, I, Texas Tech is at twelve to one. I could certainly see them uh, make an argument here uh, for for the championship. And I will say that this team avoids uh, Oklahoma. And they get TCU at home, and they get Kansas State at home. So it's almost like one of those yeah. you, you avoid one of the old powerhouses in Oklahoma, even though we just hated on them. They get Kansas State at home, which was the champ. They get TCU at home, and then their only issue is at Texas, where they could already be in the championship yeah. game by then anyway. So if I had to take anything back, I would go with them. They do have an interesting uh, non-conference game against Oregon on September 9th There, yeah, I think they get. I think they get to that uh, Kansas State game at home five and one. I think they're probably they might lose. They're probably gonna they you know Wyoming winner, Oregon, uh, be a good ball game. I want I'd be curious to see that spread. Tarleton State, well that's you know a soap scrimmage. West Virginia is the worst team in the and we'll talk about the we're gonna cherry pick and get out of here. But I'll tell you why you need to fade West Virginia almost every game. But um, you know and then Houston they'll beat them at Baylor they'll beat them. They get to Kansas State. They put if they had a miracle against Oregon, they could get the Kansas State game unbeaten. It'll be five to one, and even if you lose to that one at BYU, then you got to buy. So you got a week off to prepare to play TCU at home, which is huge, especially when you're talking November, late October, to have a bye week to give you. You're going to get banged up by late October, and then you're at Kansas. Kansas again may not be their depth. For them, late in the season showed last year. It'll show this year. UFC's a win. And you probably close out with a loss at Texas, but who knows? Oh, right, right, right. I, or that, that that game against Texas might be for, to play in the title game. I would not I, I would not hate a bet on this team um, to go over their win total as well. Their win total is yeah. at 7.5. Um, yeah, minus 105. It was at plus 120. I mean, that thing turned around quickly. It opened at plus 120. At over seven and a half, now it's minus one hundred five. What's that tell you? That tells you sharp early money was coming in on Texas Tech. They thought that number was weak. Yeah, Zach Kitley's a great coordinator there too. Remember he yeah. uh, was on Sam Houston for a while when they were winning out there, um, right? And he comes over here. Man, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna seriously consider taking this over and uh, um, mm-hmm. at seven and a half. I, I I'm gonna seriously consider that. I only put a eight as my win total, but I might be a little light on this. I'm gonna have to run that. Look, look at my spreadsheet again on that. So let's pick a, pick another team. Uh, West Virginia, like you said, I think you said enough yeah. about West Virginia. Yeah, they're the, terrible. I they're, mean, they're, did, they're, they're terrible. Just, yeah, <laughs> their unit rank, their unit rankings, their unit rankings are either last or dead last in every single category, including the second work, including the worst quarterback unit. They got a good running back, but other than that defensively, they're in big trouble. They're going to give up yards and chunks and all kinds of scoring. I would fade them. If you can get even a mediocre team to an above-average team laying less than 10 against them, and they're on the road, for instance, just look at the schedule, folks. Fade them because they're going to to have a lot of problems at West Virginia. Another uh, another early fade is a team I'll pick is that Cincinnati here. Now they're going to take a massive yeah. step back, and I know they've recruited pretty well. 
compared to like the power five, like they've been recruiting like the power five for the last few years, but 124th is what they rank in returning production. Their transfer portal rankings, 39th. They're a nice positive 1.16 yards per play, but they're in the big 12. Now they're moving from the AAC. That was a little weaker yeah. last year. There's a lot of uh, teams that really uh, took a step down last year. The win totals 5.5 for a reason. Scott Satterfield's coming in from Louisville. What, I mean, what, what a weird transition that was. But he loses his job to Jeff Brom, and then he goes into yeah. Cincinnati. I, that's that's a tough hire after you know losing their coach to Wisconsin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, one starter on offense is literally what they return. They get a, ASU transfer Emory Jones. I'm not so high on Emory Jones. I thought he did okay last year. But this defense was decimated by graduation. They lost everybody. Oh. This is a new team starting out, and now they're coming into the Big 12. This is a completely different team than what you saw the last three or four years. Um, I'm going to be fading them most likely. I think the market might not have adjusted. I've moved them about six down, six points down in my power ranks from last year, Tony. So we'll. Fa- I, I'm not sure about their win total being that they do have some easier games. So that does worry me about the 5.5. I think they win against Eastern Kentucky, Miami, Ohio, at Pittsburgh, probably not. But they do have some easy games. Uh, I would still lean to the under uh, 5.5 for sure. Just curious if they can sneak one against UCF, against uh, uh, Baylor at home or something in Iowa State. Yeah, maybe at Houston. Maybe at Houston. They're not – Oklahoma State's better than they are. I mean, Iowa State – uh, they get them at home. I, I, I'll tell you one thing. Iowa State's going to be middle of the pack this year, but folks, never underestimate how difficult it is to go into Jack Trice Stadium in Ames, Iowa and win. I'm speaking from experience. I lived in Lincoln, Nebraska. We were in a Big 8 and a Big 12 for 35 years. That is one of the biggest snake pits to play in. The Hilton Coliseum for the basketball team is no joke either. Iowa State has some of the best fans in the country. Radical loud, riot level, courteous, but boy, do they back their team. And I'll tell you what, but, um, that's so they're lucky they're getting Iowa State uh, at home, but this is a complete rebuild. I mean, this is a complete rebuild and complete new system, new coaching system, a complete new everything, and you've bumped up from the AAC uh, to, to the Big 12. I mean, that's... On top of all that other stuff, Kiev, it's the Big Twelve Conference. Yeah, yeah, it's it's too much going against them. Yeah, for Satterfield to even handle this year, it's a honeymoon year for him. So his job is okay if he wins a couple games, but it's I just don't see him winning a lot of games. I maybe that five point five is still live under. Um, yeah, I'll take another look at that one. But that was the one I picked. Uh, you want to pick any of the other teams to cover before we go? No, I I think K, the, the two the best pick I got is Texas Tech over seven and a half wins, and uh, Kansas State over seven and a half at minus one thirty, and uh, I'll tell you I'd probably put out a flyer on K State to win the conference. All right, K State to win the conference, and that's the five five and a half one. I have the flyer on K State to win the conference as well. I have the over Oklahoma State six point five flyer on them at forty to one to win the conference, and Kansas at thirty five or forty to one. I've seen them both right now to win. Those are my plays, and I'm 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 probably going to take Texas Tech's over. So just 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 have that in the back of your mind. Um, it's almost like uh, 
uh, a fail safe, but it, they all have to beat Texas, and that's the thing. You well, know you I mean? need you need to have that you need to have that Texas Tech over is my best bet to cover that Oklahoma State loss. <laughs> <laughs> I just think this Big Twelve is wide open. But I actually think UCF is a little tricky too because Gus Malzahn yeah. has recruited really well, and they return a ton. Uh, Plum Lee is a good quarterback. You know, I, yeah. I, I think that UCF now is just that. I think they're in better shape than BYU and Cincinnati and Houston right now coming into the Big Twelve. They I, are. I, I think they it, are. I think they're they're they could finish seventh in the conference. Yeah, yeah. I think they could. They'll they'll sneak a win against somebody they shouldn't at least. Right. Maybe it's uh, Oklahoma. Maybe it's someone like that. I have to look at their schedule, but. Uh, uh, maybe it's at Kansas too. At Kansas State, might overlook them. There, there's just yeah, some- if you over if you overlook them, you know. But again, let's. I'm always wary of teams that come out of a mid-major style conference to go into a big conference their first year because it is a different ball game. But Central Florida has also proven in some games against some big competition and bowl games they can play ball. So let's see what happens. But I think they're middle of the pack team. I think they'll do better than any of the other newcomers. All right. No, I, I agree with you, too. And I think they're better than West Virginia as well. We'll see about Iowa, Iowa State. What, what I do like about Iowa State, they do return a ton of production. So, you know, they yep. could be that sneaky team. But, you know, kind of what we said in the beginning of this uh, this whole podcast, this Big 12, you can make arguments left and right for a lot of stuff. Um, Baylor, yeah. Baylor's supposed to be back with their coach, you know, Dave Aranda, yeah. who used to be our coordinator in the Badgers, LSU's coordinator when they won the championship. There's yeah. just so much there. Um, I, any team that you can get better than 10 to one to be in the championship game isn't a bad bet in itself. So that's, yeah. that's my opinion, um, on this conference right now, Tony, great job. Thank you so much for covering everything here. Where can our listeners yeah. get your great information and in plays? Well, just follow me on Twitter at T George sports. Also, uh, doc sports, you know, we've been around, uh, 52, 53 years now, docsports.com. And, and, uh, of course I do daily videos on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, type in doc sports and, and I've got daily free pick videos there. You can access, I tell it like it is. I don't pull any punches and, and, uh, doc sports, like I said, is a, a good home for me. I've been there for the past six years and, and been in the business. This is my 32nd year in the Ooh. sports handicapping business. So I've been able to keep my nose clean and, and stay away from the, the hype artists and the boiler room operators and all that for all those years. And so we're plugging along. And uh, like you, I've worked very hard in the offseason. I'm ready to go, baby. All right. Tony is ready to go. Make sure you check him out. Doc Sports is a great outfit. Check them out with Mr. Tony George. Thanks again, Tony. We'll be talking soon. Well, I'll see you in Las Vegas in a couple weeks, buddy. See you in two weeks. Now it's time for a little UFC on ESPN. Vicente Luque versus Rafael Dos Anjos. So starting with this fight, Rafael Dos Anjos, minus 125 is the favorite here. It looks like it moved a little bit towards his direction. Now here's the thing. Dos Anjos has been around for a long time. Uh, 38 years old. Uh, just a staple in the UFC. And the man's got talent. Um, he just beat Brian Barbarena. Uh, in a neck crank. He lost to Fazeev, who's a very good fighter in himself. Um, and then he won his two before. But his worst loss here over the past five or six years was to Michael Chiesa. Chiesa. And I, I don't know what to say about 
how he just approached that fight. Chiesa is not somebody you want to lose to. But when I look at the overall talent of Rafael Dos Anjos, he can do it all. He's great on the ground. He's great on his legs. Well, Vicente Luque is kind of the same fighter in thought. Uh, he's the younger man at 31. He can do it on the ground. He can do it on his legs. But the problem with Luque is the dude is a punching bag. You know, that's how he got knocked out by Jeff Neal in the third round. You know, he lost to Bilal Muhammad by unanimous decision before that. And his wins have not really aged that well. I mean, Tyron Woodley, he beat in the first round. Well, Woodley lost four in a row at that point. You know, he's out of the UFC. Uh, Randy Brown, certainly not a bit good contender here. Randy Brown lost to Jack Della Maddalena recently. He just beat Wellington Terman. But if you look at the strength of schedule, Dos Anjos being 32 and 14 has had a much harder schedule. You know, his losses before Fazeev was obviously the bad Chiesa loss, but Leon Edwards, the champ, Kamaral Usman, the former champ, and Colby Covington, you know, I mean, seriously, not bad competition there. Before that, you have to go way back to 2016 when Tony Ferguson actually had a pulse and Eddie Alvarez, you know, but I understand why Luke is a little bit of the favorite when you look at one stat in these fights. And that stat is absorbed. Vicente Luque just allows himself to get punched. Absorbed per minute, 5.51 significant strikes to 3.21. I could certainly see Rafael Dos Anjos chopping him down. Now, Dos Anjos being six, seven years older certainly doesn't help him and that's why he's just a small favorite but i just think this uh, fight is priced correctly dosanio is probably going to go for the grappling a little bit more they're both equal in about 60 percent takedown defense but i I just trust dosanios as the fact that he is the better stand-up fighter compared to luke and i'm not just talking about striking i'm talking about not getting hit himself Luke is just hard to trust. Now, Luke, this might be kind of a do or die situation for him too. So he's going to be extremely motivated. But I just, if I can just bet on motivation the whole time, you know, you're not going to be a winning better because that's also very hard to predict. It's a good spot for Luke, that's for sure. And he's got to get by Dos Anjos to do anything in the future here in the UC, uh, UFC. So best of luck to you, Luke. But man. I'm not going to back you at plus 105 against a seasoned fighter that's fought the best of the best in this situation. Next fight is Cub Swanson versus Hakeem Dowadu. And Cub Swanson is a dog at plus 190. Hakeem is minus 230. This is a bit of a stretch being minus 230 for Hakeem uh, against a guy like Swanson. Swanson's 28 and 13. Uh, beat Darren Elkins, Daniel Pineda. Uh, Karan Gracie, but he's also got some big losses against Jonathan Martinez to a leg kick back in 2022. Giga Chikadze, he lost to. Shane Burgos, he lost a split decision to Shane uh, Renardo Carniero back in 2008. He's lost five of his last eight fights. So it's not like... It's not like he's a tier one fighter. He's probably a tier three fighter, but man, Hakeem Doadu... I struggle to say he's a tier two fighter too in this situation. I think Duwadu 
has some nice wins against uh, Julio Ars, but that was a split decision. Could have went either way. Uh, lost to Movazar Avalov, who's been beating everybody, so that's okay. Julian Arosa, he has a, a loss too recently. Um, Arosa, not so great of a of a fighter himself. Certainly going to lean to Cub Swamps and in this situation here, uh, being at the plus 190, plus 200 dog. I think that Cub Swanson could kind of resurrect himself a little bit. He's the older fighter at uh, 39 years old to 32. That's kind of what you're fight, uh, betting against here a little bit too. But uh, Dewadu from Calgary, Canada, not going to get any advantages in this fight from a guy from Palm Springs in California who might have the crowd on his side as well. Um, this is in the apex though, so I shouldn't really mention crowd, but you know what I mean? He's fighting the United States. So we're okay with that. Next fight, you have Khalil Roundtree versus Chris Dawkins. In my opinion, Chris Dawkins has just fluttered in the UFC when he finally stepped up in competition, losing to Derek Lewis, getting knocked out Curtis Blades, getting knocked out and Giorgino Rosenstruck, getting knocked out. How can I bet in a guy that's been knocked out three fights in a row now the last one was in december of 2022 so it's been over a half a year but man i i don't know what's going on with with Dawkins here and khalil roundtree hasn't exactly been a great fighter to bet on he's 33 years old now but he at least has three wins in a row against modestus bukakis from a leg kick carl roberson and dust justin jacoby i think roundtree is probably improved over the past three or so years fighting at Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, this bout, though, I should mention, is going to be a light heavyweight bout where Dawkins is dropping down in weight. Well, Tanner Bozer did that, lost his first one, and he just won one in the last match, which I actually lost a bet on, unfortunately. But in this situation, it doesn't work for everybody to drop all that weight especially coming into their very first fight and against a pretty aggressive Khalil Roundtree. Uh, I think Roundtree probably gets this done. I, I would assume that it's going to happen within the distance here. So I'm going to consider Khalil Roundtree within the distance. He's not the worst parlay piece at minus 190 either, uh, if you can get that nice and early. I just think he's the uh, better favorite right now in this situation. I'm not very impressed by... Uh, Dawkins's wins against Parker Porter, right? When Parker Porter was losing to everybody against uh, Alexi Olenek, right? Not super impressed by him. So in my opinion, I, you have to go with the better fighter that's been fighting at minus two at, at the 205 light heavyweight class for a long time now. So I'm going to lean to Khalil Roundtree at the minus 190. I think he's a good parlay piece. The next fight is going to be two women, Pollyanna Viana versus Ayazman Lucindo. And Lucindo is minus 190. Pollyanna is plus 160. The cool thing about Pollyanna is she just beat up a mugger recently. It would be mugger. I think that's awesome. He had no idea that he was fighting a UFC fighter or mugging a UFC fighter and about to fight a UFC fighter. But uh, this probably should be more of an equal fight, in my opinion. I don't know why Ayazman is minus 190 in this situation just looking at the stats you know Pollyanna definitely knows how to throw herself 
Her significant strikes is 3.5 to 3.97, which isn't that much of a difference. She gets hit less and only absorbs 2.86 to 3.86 for Iasmin. Uh, takedown defense is 50% for Pollyanna, and it's 0% for Iasmin. So you wonder what the heck's going on there. Now, you have to say that Iasmin hasn't had a ton of UFC fights to you know rack up these stats. She's only had two. But just that in itself makes me lean to Pollyanna, also being that she's the larger girl at 5'7", when uh, Lucindo is only 5'4". Uh, I'm going with the bigger girl here at the plus 160 for my free play. I'm going to do 1.5 stars on uh, on Pollyanna Viana for this bout. I think she gets it done. Not sure if it's within the distance or decision, but I think she outstrikes her and she can actually outgrapple her at the same time. Going with Pollyanna, 1.5 stars. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. All right. Next fight is AJ Dobson versus Tifan Nchukwi. And this is an interesting fight because AJ Dobson has not done well in the UFC since he's come in at he's plus 125 in this matchup but you know it's not like he's fighting that great competition in Tafon Nechukwi. Uh, Tafon has some pretty bad losses in himself at 6 and 3. He just lost his last two fights against Carlos Olberg, which is fine Olberg's a beast, but Azamat Merzakhanov uh, he beat got beat with a flying knee. He beat Mike Rodriguez, but then he lost to a pretty good Jun Young Park back in 2021. I, I mean, his only good wins are really Mike Rodriguez and Jamie Pickett. So looking at this, yeah, I'm certainly looking towards the dog here, but the dog has not won in the UFC since the Dana White Contender Series in A.J. Dobson. And uh, A.J. Dobson is fighting at 185. His, uh, his early in is obviously new career while this fight is going to be at light heavyweight uh, or sorry i mean middleweight at 185 right tafon is going down from light heavyweight to middleweight so in this situation i'm not sure how well it's going to uh, affect them both these fighters like to strike uh, although both of them seem to go to decision pretty often I, this is a toss-up to me i don't know why one or the other is a dog in this situation. I think that I would lean A.J. Dobson just at that price, and A.J. Dobson's been at that weight class for longer. So the next fight, Jamie Pickett versus Josh Framed. I'm actually going to be having a premium play on this, so I'm not going to discuss this fight. But what I will say is Josh is the bigger man, and Jamie Pickett has a nasty weak at, uh, weakness if you actually look into his numbers my friends thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you have any questions feel free to tweet us at the oddsbreakers tweet me at obkiev have a great weekend enjoy the fights enjoy all the games and go get some winners <laughs>